Welcome to the Positive View Podcast, the podcast where we explore life circumstances, mental roadblocks, and endless opportunity to discover the positive view. I'm your host, Brianna G. And I'm your other host, Christy Murphy. This week, we're discussing how to stop overthinking and negative thoughts. Yes, but before we get into that, at the end of each episode, we set a mission for ourselves. And this week's mission was to think of something you're looking forward to about getting older. Christy, how did that go for you? I re-listened to the episode and I could literally hear a lot of my negative thoughts about aging in that very episode. So Mm -hmm. there is an exciting opportunity for me to work on that more. I am going to look forward to, I have an idea where I want to have a punk band of menopausal women, women, because we really know what rage is. I'm mm-hmm. sorry, young dudes, you don't, you don't, you don't have, you don't have a 10th of what I'm going to do. So I want to, I want to have a, a blue haired ladies group and I want to put it together and do that. But in all seriousness, it's part of what I'm looking forward to about getting older is that when I was young. I got extra points for being precocious because Mm. I was able to do it at a young age. And now I'm just standard amount of age where I should know how to do a lot of stuff. And some of Mm -hmm. it, quite frankly, I don't know how to do. The cool thing is, I think when you get older, it comes back. Like if you continue to learn about technology and do things, you sort of get the novelty of being of an age where people's expectations of you are different. And Mm -hmm. I'm looking forward to challenging those expectations, Brianna. And part of it may be with my menopausal woman, punk band, blue haired ladies. And uh, I have, I've already started writing one of the songs, which is, Hey, Sunny, go expletive yourself. And I think it's going to be a huge hit. Mm -hmm. I love it. Uh, And I'm already going to throw it out there. I'm going to, in my older age, I'm going to learn how to play those drums so I can be in your band. (laughs) Yep. So that's one thing I'm looking forward to about aging. Um, I think uh, one of the other things is, boy, I think um, is the learning side of things. I, I, I feel like I'm really excited to just keep one learning about myself and sort of get my whole situation not under control because it's not like I'm out of control now, but just to continue to do that self-learning, understanding myself to have even more positive experiences, I guess, but um, really to just be able to, and I guess this is more of like, maybe not so much aging as retirement, which comes when you're older, (laughs) Mm -hmm. but it is like just the freedom to explore like the things that are really of interest because you know I'll have put in my time as a worker uh, as a as an individual in the workforce and the, and won't have that as a you know primary distractor from all the learning I would love to be doing uh, not that I'm not doing learning now but you know being a full-time being employed full-time just takes a lot um, at least it feels like it takes a lot for me mentally. And so just to have that time and space to really very much like, you know, college years where you can have time to just really think about things and explore. Maybe that's what it is. I'm looking forward as I, you know, as I age to just have the freedom to explore more. Um, That just, again, curiosity, learning, all of it. I'm that 
that's a part that I think I'm really looking forward to uh, when it comes to aging. I love that. And I feel like being a positive thinker allows you to have freedom and allows you to explore more. But one of the things that can get in the way of doing that is overthinking and negative thoughts, which is this week's, did you see that? I tried, I tried, I tried to tie it in this, um, this week we're talking about, yeah, it was valid. I think we're going to be discussing how to stop overthinking and negative thoughts. Uh, Brianna, when I say that, what is the first thing that pops into your mind? Ooh, I'm a, I love to overthink about things though. I will say it is something that I've definitely gotten better at over the last maybe four, five years. Um, just really working on staying, trying to stay present. So overthinking to me is that, you know, overthinking or ruminating on something almost like, and I apologize for the visual, but uh, picking at a scab, you know, that thing you just like can't, let it go, whether it's something, you know, that's happened or that has happened. And so, you know, a past event that like we can't stop thinking about, or I can't stop thinking about, or ruminating about something that's in the future, whether it's a real thing or not. Um, But it's that like, it is that, that rumination or that focus, almost like a hyper focus on a single thought that just kind of prevents me from really, you know, getting, it's almost like a loop getting so wrapped up in it that it prevents me from potentially seeing what's actually happening, seeing what opportunities in this situation are actually available to me. Um, And it just is a bit of a, I mean, honestly, a derailer. It keeps me not, keeps me anything but present and anything but, I think, anything but being able to be effective in whatever Uh, time and space I'm trying to do things I love that you brought up the scab metaphor because I used to say that I'm the kind of person who like picks at things like Mm -hmm. I nitpick on how to do something better or where something's going wrong and I do like I used to and I think I still do to a certain extent I'm actually looking at a scab right now I do pick at a scab I used to say that if you left me stranded on a desert island with just a pair of toenail clippers and my own thoughts that you just come back to a right hand and a bloody stump. Do you know what I mean? Because I just <laughs> won't be able to stop myself. That's so gross. But mm. I agree with you that, listen, some of us, let's just say, have quick working minds. And what other people call overthinking, I call just thinking, Brianna, I'm not going to mm-hmm. get negative about it. As some of my thoughts come quick and fast. It only becomes a problem when I use my quick brain to quickly talk me out of doing stuff that I truly want to do and I truly want to believe in the world. And so what I end up doing is taking a quick brain that can and is very handy for troubleshooting and I use it to fun shoot or idea shoot. Like I use it to like, I take that machine gun and accurate aim and I just turn it inward on all my hopes and dreams, Brianna. And I don't really need that in the world. It is Mm -hmm. fine if you are constructing some sort of machine that needs to be repaired and you have a thought and you're figuring out what went wrong. But when you want to try something new, like learn a foreign language or try a new YouTube tutorial with makeup. Can you say somebody's trying to wear makeup out in public again? 
now that I can go in public, I'm going to wear makeup. If you're trying to do something new that you're a little bit uncomfortable with, channeling that quick thought energy into why everything is going to not work out for you may be something that's getting in the way Mm -hmm. of enjoying a good time. So while I don't think inherently overthinking, as some people would describe it, is a negative thing, I feel like it is a tool that works quickly and effectively and when used in the wrong direction can sort of shoot yourself in the face. Oh my God. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. But I'm taking it to the face a lot, especially when I was younger on some of my better ideas. Yes. I think, well, and I feel like for me, the visual helps, right? Um, so, but I think that you're, you're onto something there, or, or I would say I would, um, that resonates, right? Because it isn't to say that when we take a measured, you know, ha- take kind of that measured thought process or to time to think about things, think things through, that's not the same as the overthinking side of thing. For me, I think I think of the overthinking as, um, especially if it comes down to a decision, um, overthinking for me comes when I've made, I've truly made the decision or like I know what what I need to do and I keep thinking about it either because it's something I don't really want to do or I'm not sure or don't have a lot of confidence. Um, so I keep kind of like just rolling it over and over, either expecting another answer to come or maybe sometimes trying to talk myself out of something. But the overthinking is just like this. For me, it turns out to be this sort of... Um, Again, I come back to that sense of being in a loop and it's almost like it's an excuse for me to not take my first step to doing something. Again, if we're talking about like an opportunity, um, either most of the time it's because I don't have, I don't feel like I have what it takes to do it. Because as I've talked about here before, (laughs) if it's not something that I'm totally like confident I can do and do well first time out. I, that takes me a minute to really, to really be doing stuff. So um, I do think that the overthinking for me just as a catch or catches me um, and gets me into that loop. And then it, it delays taking action. And sometimes so much so that I actually will miss an opportunity, which is really unfortunate because then of course, right, I get stuck into another loop of overthinking about like, but why didn't you you know, the why didn't you loop. Um, and ultimately, I think it's just the overthinking being that like that, almost like that life disruptor, just preventing me from, gosh, I'm really glad we're talking about this today, because I'm all of a sudden kind of thinking about a bunch of stuff. Uh, it just, um, yeah, it's a disruptor and either prevents me from trying things, or maybe I take an easier way, which I think we've talked about before, like adjacent to the thing, doing the thing that's adjacent to what I really want because it feels like the safer, better uh, option. So that was a very circuitous kind of description of saying for, you know, overthinking, life disruptor. I'm hoping that I uh, 
can continue to learn how to limits, limit its effects on me because I don't think it's something that I'm ever going to totally get rid of. Yes, I really appreciate that thought. I always remember, I was a driving instructor for a couple of years before the pandemic, and I, I took the job because I have a fear in the car. And that's a long story. I'll get straight to the point. I had two students. One, they were both, they were both uh, female students. One was riddled with a lot of self-doubt. And she was like, oh my God, I can't, I just overthink things. I just overthink things. And I quickly said to her, what other people call thinking, what other people call overthinking, we just call thinking. Listen, you've got a brain that works fast. Let's make it work fast in the direction of why you're going to be good at this. Because frankly, Brianna, and I told this to her, and I'd always said it every time I met a nervous student, the students that were nervous about dry driving had a healthy respect for the dangers that existed. The kids who didn't were the ones where I had to be nervous, Brianna. Mm-hmm. You either you're really good or you're going to try to kill us both in this car several times over the course of the next two hours. I remember distinctly telling her, listen, there are other kids who tell me they're great drivers. They just have a problem sticking to the speed limit and staying within the lines. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Two very important portions <laughs> of driving that could absolutely kill us at any moment. So I'm not so worried about you realizing, hey, this is a dangerous thing we're getting ready to do. And you can acknowledge that part of yourself and see those obstacles that you're seeing as genuine things. And then much like that that dirtbag writer guy who I went on that one singular date told me about seeing the rock. It is this when you're dirt bike riding and you're young and you've never had a big wipeout, right? You are an amazing dirt bike rider. The difference between somebody who's going to go the distance and someone isn't is the first time you get into a major wreck and it hurts because after that you realize the consequences of what can happen. Mm-hmm. And he's like, and then you spend your dirt bike riding your first couple races back looking for the rock. And he says, when you look at that rock, that rock might as well be as big as a giant boulder because there was no way that you aren't going to hit that rock the more you focus on it. Mm-hmm. And so he had me. I was like, so dude, what do you do? He says, you look at the rock and you see it. And then you look immediately for the clear path. So you're both acknowledging it so it can't catch you by surprise and then looking for the clear path. And that's one of the great things about overthinking. If you're the kind of person who thinks a lot, this is a great way to channel those thoughts into where it's going to go right for you. While not being that oblivious person who's just Mr. (laughs) Magooing their way through life. If you don't know who Mr. Magoo is, kids, look him up. He wreaked havoc. He was just this blind old man driving underwater, causing car accidents, and somehow just skating through life. Don't be Mr. Magoo, but you don't also have to be a nervous wreck. Mm -hmm. I really appreciate the, uh, yes, taking the time to pay attention, but I also like that if, um, you know, that you said if you're, uh, if you're overthinking or thinking a lot, I guess, um, especially if they come quickly, that there is that opportunity to think about the positive things that could happen. Because I do feel like, you know, if I'm overthinking, it's usually some version of like catastrophizing or thinking about the way things won't work or, you know, things going wrong. Mm-hmm. And I do feel like it could be 
you know, it is, I'm, I know that my, you know, kind of a skill that I have is coming up with a lot of ideas. And so I can do that really well, especially for other people Uh, in a positive way. I think it's, you know, coming to a point to be able to do that positively for myself. So that, again, not that I, that I suddenly lose my ability to, you know, identify dangerous situations and things like that. That's not what I'm, you know, talking about. But if I am going to ruminate or if I am going to kind of fall into overthinking or like, you know, rolling something over more than just a couple, you know, something particularly future, future, uh, in the future, rolling it over more than a couple times, why not reframe it and think of ways that it could work out positively or work out in my favor. That's sort of one of those things that I have been thinking about, uh, but I'm still working on getting into any kind of regular practice. But really, I mean, I'm not psychic, so I can think about what negative thing is going to happen, and maybe it might, uh, but just as easily the, the opposite or something more positive could could come as well. So why not give myself that little bit of a, um, why not give myself a little bit of that joy and looking at what the possibilities are rather than like thinking about the negative things that I might have to weather or overcome or strategize my way out of. I love that you brought that up because I don't remember the name of the book. Oh, I can't believe I don't remember it. Was it the positive thinking effect? Was that the name of it? Is that the the McGonagall book? Uh, No, that was the Rethinking Positive Thinking, which was a good Mm. one as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, There was a guy who, it was basically, he was describing the placebo effect. And the way he analyzed the brain was the brain is much like AI, right? It is a predictor of things because you, you have to process so much in the world that a lot of times you can't react fast enough to what is happening before you can prevent it. So your brain starts to do things like when it sees a glimpse of your name, it automatically lets you know that's your name. You're not actually reading it and sounding out all the letters. You've predictively seen it. They've shown people who like look at signs and big letters are chunking, missing out of it. But because they're so used to reading, they just see it as if it's there. And it isn't until you call attention that that actually isn't all the way written out. Do they see that it's not? And this is very handy for a lot of things, but what it allows to happen is a thing called the placebo effect. And it's everybody always goes, well, that's just as effective as a placebo. They negate the, the power of a placebo. You mm-hmm. can think that you're going to get better and you take a sugar pill and you actually feel better. And then people decide somehow because sugar pills aren't real medicine, that you don't actually feel better. No, that is not the point. You did. You did feel better. And I think one of the advantages you get from reframing your mind and looking at where it can go right is that your brain stacks the odds greater in your favor for what is going to work for you. The bad thing about looking at that rock or recognizing what could go wrong without taking that extra moment to say, and this is where I'm headed. This is how I'm going to 
make things right for me. This is what good can come out of this. I'm not saying toxic positivity where you pretend like you're not going to, that's how people fall into the Grand Canyon. They forget that that rope is there for a reason. I am not, don't, the rope is there for a reason, people. No, I was just talking about that with my friend Dwayne Perkins. Like you're ruining, what did he say? You're ruining the Grand Canyon for all of us, but don't, Mm -hmm. no, not that, not that nothing could ever go wrong, but that from one of the, I don't want to go on a cruise. And my mind always spits out only 30% of the people who fall off the side of a ship, Brianna, actually survive the fall. But less than one out of a million people actually fall off the ship. So that's not a reason why I'm not going to go on a cruise. I don't go on a cruise because I get seasick in the tub on occasions. I'm not going to be on a boat trapped with people and Mm -hmm. a buffet as the sole. This is just a recipe for disaster if you're me, right? So we'll go to Vegas instead. We'll go to a resort. It's like, it's like a cruise, right? But you're not trapped at sea with strangers. So for me, better. My point being, you don't have to ignore what's going wrong, but you can allow yourself to reframe, look at what can go right, and also assess why it is you're picking apart this idea. Sometimes it's because you're just looking for permission to not do this thing. Give yourself permission. You don't need to say that it's going to be horrible. You can just not want to go on a cruise, right? I just don't want to go. I don't, I don't need to think that people are going to fall off boats at a more rapid rate suddenly, right? Mm-hmm. However, sometimes I say I'm not going to do said thing because the truth is I'm afraid. I'm afraid if I spend the money that later I won't have the money for something else. I'm afraid that I'll get there. And what I'll want to do is I want to go out and meet all the people, but instead I will feel shy and awkward and I'll let that get in the way and I'll just end up sitting alone a lot and feeling weird. And I use other reasons. So then I spend the money and then I'll feel bad and I just create a smaller life for myself. Mm -hmm. So I think the key to like keeping yourself from overthinking and catastrophizing and ruminating is to ask yourself, why? What am I afraid of? What am I avoiding? What is it here that is is pausing action at this point? Some of it can Mm -hmm. be prudence. (laughs) Okay, that's fine. Mm -hmm. But a lot of it is um, fear. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think, you know, talking about the reframing, you know, especially if you are, I'm trying to think of the least roundabout way to talk about this, but talking about reframing, I think it's, you know, for me, it was very valuable when I started even when I first even knew what that was, right? When we did our posit started our positivity fest, however many years ago, trying to be less negative, uh, more positive, and um, but we uh, we talked about that like first like recognizing recognizing and you know referencing it as the glitch recognizing that first moment where you start down that path whether it be negativity overthinking ruminating the the thought patterns that are less than helpful or less than effective um but just talking about the glitch and, and making for myself even coming back to like i don't have to right off the bat know how to or even you know consistently be able to 
um, turn my thought process around or stop thinking in this way or to start thinking in another way. The first step in it, it just helped kind of not be overwhelming for me. The first step being recognizing when I start down that path, recognizing the glitch, recognizing that split second of, oh, this is where things kind of went down the wrong way. And just, um, I know you had talked about building I don't remember the exact words, but it made me think of building that practice, right? Of, of changing that thought process. It takes some time and you just, every time you do it, you build and build, which made me think of momentum episode from a couple of weeks ago, but you build that momentum towards the thought processes that you like, or, or excuse me, that are going to be more effective. Um, but coming back to, uh, and usually this for me has been in hindsight, until I got a little better. Um, but coming back to recognizing when did I start down that path? And a lot of times, again, in the beginning, it, it, I had to kind of get through my whole like hours, sometimes days of like overthinking about something and then take the time to re-examine like, how did I get here? And so well, like you were talking about looking at what as I'm doing that reflection, what got me there and at what was the point at which I started down that overthinking path? What was the thing that like pushed me <laughs> over the edge to take your Grand Canyon visual um, to get me into that space of overthinking? And I feel like um, once I could start, once I could start recognizing that, then I feel like a little bit more consistently, I feel like then I could start with the reframing because it, it didn't feel like I had to do like seven steps in the beginning. I only had to do this one and then I could work on the reframing and then I could work on having to probably reframe a couple times because it's not just like a one and done to get myself out of some sort of overthinking pattern. Um, and again, I will say it's not as if just having like done this work uh, that I, I don't still fall into it, but I recognize that there are some things that, um, kind of make, make it easier to fall into, namely being stressed, being tired, um, and just in general, not paying attention. If I'm kind of checked out, it is so easy to just kind of trip and then boom, I'm overthinking something uh, and sometimes it's like super simple stuff that just doesn't need that much time and or energy spent on it. You brought up so much there that I totally agree with. We've discussed it before. What are the easiest things to help you remember? Maybe I am having a lot of negative thoughts and overthinking because hungry, it's halt, right? Hungry, angry, lonely, tired. So the first time I'm snapping at David, I'm thinking, what have you done, David? That's my guy, right? <laughs> it's all your fault. The second time I'm snapping at David, I'm thinking, there he goes again. Right around the third or fourth time, I'm like, hey, wait a minute. Uh, he does this every day. And also, it wasn't even that bad. What mm -hmm. is going Ah, you're angry. You're lonely. You're tired. You didn't get enough sleep. You didn't have enough coffee. You haven't eaten anything. Those are when I realize, oh, 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 it's me. So halt is a great one. I always know that I'm at the glitch when I realize my reaction is totally 
disproportionate to what is happening. Yeah. Okay. So when somebody says something and I feel like I'm going to die, like you just insulted my whole being, but what they really said was pass assault. No, it's not pass assault, but it's something like, I like that for you. You know, <laughs> what do you mean for me? Wah, wah, wah. And, mm-hmm. and I'm thinking about it all night. Now, yeah, listen, it's not the nicest thing that you could say to somebody, especially mm-hmm. in that tone. But did they say it in that tone or did I just take it in that tone? And why am I still thinking about it? And so right there, I'm like, wow, less than 10 words somebody said to me and I barely even know them or I really know them well. Who, who I'm thinking about it four hours later, something is happening. So that's idea one. And then I think to myself, okay, I'm still thinking about something that someone said ages ago. That usually means one of two things. One, it's something that I've always been worried is true. Mm. And I've just been called to the carpet, like an idea that I have about myself that it's hitting. Or two, it's something so patently false and it's theirs that I'm like so mad that they brought it up. But that always comes down to an idea I have about myself, which is I'm going to be falsely accused or judged. I feel like you just put all that on me and how dare you? How dare you, sir? Mm -hmm. So if you're looking for a way to break it down, Byron Katie, who also studied with the same teacher where we studied, you know, Joel Goldsmith, we studied from Lee who taught the glitch. She has a thing called the work and it's easy to find because it's at thework.com. And she gives you four questions to ask. I usually only remember the two, but for the purposes of this podcast, Brianna, I actually looked it up so that I could say it. But this is at hers, thework.com. Uh, number one, is it true? Mm-hmm. Okay, and just in case you still think, I think it is true, even though it's not. Number two, she wants to double check you. Can you absolutely know that it's true? Number three, how do you react when you believe that thought? Hmm? I give you a hint. Not great. Not great. Number four, who would you be without that thought? And really taking time to answer those four questions can really let you know something about yourself that makes it easier for you to not be inspired toward a negative thought spiral with a sentence uttered in a casual conversation at lunch or at work or in my case, something that my third grade teacher needs consistent effort, Mrs. Cummings, really. Turns out I have ADHD. But whatever, Mrs. Cummings, I'm 51. I was nine or 10 at the time. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yes. I love that. Um, I especially like the example you give, gave. rather. Uh, for me, it's the one people say, oh, you look great today. <laughs> Like, oh, just today? And then I'm like, what did I do wrong? What did I what do I do wrong the other days that I'm not doing today? Ay, ay, ay. Um, but no, I love that. Uh, and I think I really um when you the number four, who would you be without that thought? That one really hit home. And it makes me think about uh one of the things that I am trying to remember when I if I if I can't catch the glitch and head off the overthinking at the pass, uh, when I finally get into my, you know, get into a space where I'm like, mm, this doesn't seem quite right. And I need to figure out like how to get out of it. Um, one of the things that's been helpful and I try so hard to remember 
is coming back to that sense of identity and who am I actually, or who do I think I am? Who am I trying, who, who, who do I want to be like at the core of me and what do I know about myself? Uh, and I find that now I can be that I've, you know, trying to actually make my identity something somewhat tangible versus just like some nice ideas I have about myself. Um, identifying that there are, I have values, I have strengths, and I have some things that I don't do very well and shortcomings and flaws and all of that makes up my identity. And so when you said, who would you be without that thought? Um, thinking that that makes me think about just, um, especially if I'm I'm ruminating on something or overthinking about something that's happened in the past where I'm like, did I say the right thing? Did I do the right thing? Um, being very honest, trying to be very honest with myself if there is something I need to do better next time or if I've, if I've missed the mark in some way. Uh, but then also being just as honest about where I've done well or where especially I think it, if it, if it's related to like conflict or interpersonal things, but my sense of self being able to say, you know what, I actually, maybe I didn't handle it well. I wasn't super diplomatic, but kind of the, the, the conflict on that, that's not mine. Like that's coming, like you said, that's coming from the other person. And so I'm going to go ahead and I recognize that and I'm going to let that go. Again, this is very new to be able to do. So I'm still working on it, building that practice or that momentum to be able to have that more honest look and not automatically say when I get into those, you know, those kinds of situations, not automatically kind of assume all of the responsibility and then get stuck in an overthinking loop about the things that, you know, all the things I did wrong. Um, I just, I just think taking some time to really identify, again, those, those pieces that make up my identity has been so helpful because when I do start to ruminate or overthink, it's, it's almost like an anchor that can kind of pull me back or, or pull me out of that to have a little bit more perspective on what's actually happening. Uh, and then I can maybe get back onto a better thought pattern or process of, of how I'm thinking about things. I don't know if that makes sense. It feels like it does, <laughs> like, but it, it was a lot of words to, I think, say identity. Uh, finding ways to really make your identity tangible to be able to be an anchor to help get out of these times of overthinking or negative thought patterns has been very helpful for me. I really like that you brought that up. And it's interesting because I think it's easy for me to recall times where I went into sort of a negative thought spiral and I was ruminating, I was overthinking things when the reality of the situation in my mind, right, didn't match up to the reality of life. And I think it is very helpful to have like a strong sense of personal identity. Sometimes also I've realized what's got in 
gotten in the way of my ability to refrain from rumination is when I'm confronted with the stress of a lot of genuine uncertainty. Genuine uncertainty, like for instance, at the beginning of the pandemic, I full on went into doom scrolling and because there just was no way of knowing what was going to happen. You know, Sunday's life is like, what's going to happen next? It's so exciting. And then other days it's like, oh my God, what's going to happen next? And one of the things that I read online really helped me, which said that I can't control whether or not I'm going to be, I can't control that I absolutely won't get the virus. There, there's just too many scenarios to put into effect, right? I can only mm-hmm. limit my exposure to the best I can. And some people had more or less opportunity for that during that time. There were a lot of essential workers. My guy was one of them. He was luckier than some of the other essential workers. You were in healthcare. There was a lot of things where you couldn't limit your risk. And there was a lot of people choosing not to limit their risk because Mm -hmm. of reasons, right? And so there was a genuine, there was genuinely a lot of reasons to be afraid. And I think one of the, it's one of the, we had just started doing this podcast just before that. And I remember there was a moment where I read and they said, doom scrolling and all of that is not going to help you not get sick, but it can help wear you down with enough stress to make it more likely that your immune system will not work well if you were to get sick. Mm-hmm. And then I remember thinking, okay, I can't avoid the negative. I can just stack the odds in my favor. And then what else can I do? And you and I made a very specific pact to each other that should we be, we get lucky enough to manage to avoid COVID, whatever was in our control to make this better, because there was that whole 80, uh, 20% of the people immediately run out and do the wrong thing in a crisis. 60% of the people just go with whatever the majority did. And then 20% of the people thrive. And I remember in that moment going, I'm going to thrive in this crisis if my good fortune holds out. Mm-hmm. And there was a moment where I felt guilty because so many people didn't have the good fortune that I did. They didn't have the opportunity. They just got unlucky. People made choices for them that they would have not liked to have had. They weren't given information that they needed. They were given the wrong information, so they couldn't make choices. However, I told myself two things. I'm going to do everything I can to be in that 20% that thrived during that time. And I am not going to... I'm not going to feel guilty for being grateful for my good fortune because mm-hmm. that doesn't do any good for anyone. And it can be very difficult because I don't want to gloat that I had, listen, I had, I'll be honest. Was, were things hard for me? No, Brianna, they weren't. They weren't hard for me. I know they were hard for a lot of people, but I had a lot of good fortune and I enjoyed it and I've always remained grateful for it. And I will always remember that it doesn't do anyone who had suffered significant losses during that time, any favors for me to pretend that I didn't have it good. Mm -hmm. Hmm. I appreciate that. It really makes me think about, and we've talked about it here and, and just, I guess just the reminder of 
looking at and considering what do I actually have influence over? And, you know, the example that you gave, start of the pandemic, it was very, obviously, we were talking with each other. And so I know we were both on the same page of like, it just became very easy to slip into the worry and the stress and rightly so things were worrying and stressful. Um, But really reminding, kind of looking at things and saying, well, what can I influence here and what what can I not? And, you know, as somebody in healthcare, obviously there was the opportunity. I could have just left healthcare. But that looking at, well, what can I really influence? I felt like I could maybe have a, a, a better effect or a more positive effect if I stayed in healthcare. And that truly was never on the table for me, but it, it, well, it could have been. But looking then and saying, and right, you shared the 80, no, 60, 20, 20 with me. And that was very helpful too. And again, that sense of when I identify, uh, when I get into these spaces of negative thought patterns or this overthinking, when I identify the places that I have influence, that it just helps me feel that even in, even if the worst happens, that, you know, that I'm ruminating about, even if the worst happens or in fact did happen, there has to be something there. There has to be something that I have some kind of influence over, even if that's just how I'm thinking about and reacting to the situation. And I feel like it might take me a while to get there, but that tends to have this really great effect of reminding me that in almost any situation, probably any situation, um, I do have agency and that becomes very empowering. And so even if it was, you know, my start of the pandemic, my professional and my life circumstances were not going to change. I was, you know, by myself, going to work every day, coming home, like, again, alone. But in this healthcare space that was challenging, um, And that moment where, you know, those moments where we talked about, like, I don't want to, I don't, I can't live out this whole thing in fear, or I can't live out this whole thing being worried. And so just taking that time to recognize, well, what can I do in this space? And then allowing that to give me that sense of agency or empowerment, like the, the one thing I can do is you know, change how I'm thinking about it. Or when I do start to, when things do get worrying, because right, that was such an up and down time, um, identifying, well, what, what do I have available to me to help me weather those things? All of that, identifying how I think about things, uh, where essentially, where's my opportunity for agency or, or influence, giving that empowerment. And then, you know, once I had that sense of empowerment, things tend to be more clear or tend to be clearer. And that over, it's almost like it's, um, you know, if the overthinking is a loop, then it it breaks that loop. And I can kind of get off, get off that like pattern or, or off that, well, loop, get out of it rather. I love that you brought up breaking the loop because I think there are several things you can do to break the loop. And one of the biggest things to do to break a thinking loop is to act your way into right thinking. I used to think I had to feel differently and think differently before I could do differently. 
And some days that is the way change arises, but it doesn't always have to work that way. It goes the other way. I've been forced when I was in a bad mood, I had to work retail, which means for me, it meant I had to smile and pretend like I was not wanting to murder everyone or myself (laughs) in the moment while I was trying to sell you some housewares or bring you a burger or a book or something. And I would go to work and I would start smiling and I would interact with some customers. And before you knew it, my mood was better. Mm-hmm. And the process of smiling and forcing yourself to take action to do something positive for yourself. I used to call it, I'd call it, um, I don't know if, I, if if it's a bad word, I'll call it witching rights, right? Complaining rights. People mm-hmm. would say, oh, did you do this? And, and, if, and if you didn't do that, you didn't have any right to be sad because that would have fixed everything. And so I'd go around doing all the things that people would claim like, did you try to clean up your room or did you make a list or did you do something else that seems incredibly trite? And I would just run around and do all those things. So when everything didn't work out, like I knew it wasn't going to Brianna, I would have the right to complain because yes, I did try Mm. to return that. Yes. I did ask for a manager. Yes. I did. Well, every once in a while, more than once in a while, a lot of times Brianna, (laughs) it worked. Mm -hmm. Thanks. And, And I ended up with my problem solved. So ways to break the pattern. Find a distraction. Sometimes it's just going to work. Sometimes it's watching a funny show. Sometimes it's an act of service. Sometimes it's putting together a gratitude list. Whatever it is, just remember, here's my saying, action eases anxiety. I love that. I think, ooh, I like that a lot. Action eases anxiety. Mm. Because as you were sharing that, um, I was thinking about um, that if I'm stuck especially if it's like related to a decision, if I'm stuck or overthinking or in a negative, it's for me, it it can be like talking it out. And that's whether I talk it out with someone or or by myself, but it can be helpful to even to just start and say, I'm having a trouble with this decision. And here's what I am pretty sure I want to do. Let me just talk out all the reasons why. Um, so I can get it out there. I find a lot of times just getting it out, whether that's truly out loud in a journal um, again, just something that is different to get that loop, to, to be able to break that loop uh, can be very, very helpful. And I think the other thing too, especially because I, I, I am a catastrophizer. And so one of the things that's been helpful in breaking the loop of overthinking, especially if it's like worrying about something, uh, is to make a plan. Even if the plan is not probably ever going to need to be put into effect. Uh, but having something, especially if I, if I have some fear or trepidation about it, putting a plan into place for like, all right, well, if this happens, I'm going to do this and then I'm going to do that. And then I'm going to do that. And, and just so that again, it, it almost like it takes that, uh, unhelpful thought or that, you know, that, that negative thought, it takes it to, a, again, coming back to the agency, but it takes it to that conclusion where if the worst happens, I have at least thought of something that's going to help me weather it. It's not going to necessarily prevent it. I think I used to get real stuck in preventing bad things from happening. Like think overthink thinking things so much or overthinking so much as if I could prevent something bad from happening. And now a little bit, it's helpful to take it kind of to the end and say, okay, well, if this happens, what are, what, what can I do about it? Or what can I do 
then. And that has helped to, again, it doesn't stop the overthinking, but it at least, at least cuts down on the amount of time I get stuck in the loop. I love you brought that up that, oh, yes, when I'm, when I am worried, I'll give you an example. I have a very difficult time in the car. I've been, well, no, I've had a difficult time in the car. It's been eased tremendously due to medication and having been a driving instructor. And it was the reason why I became a driving instructor. But usually when I pull into an unprotected left-hand turn in Los Angeles traffic major, I'm pulling up three quarters. Well, I didn't know how, one, I didn't know how far to pull forward. Two, people were honking. Three, I couldn't see clear. All of these things. And all I could think of is I'm going to die. I'm going to die. I'm going to die. Like that was most of my thoughts in the car is how I'm going to die. And it was almost reflexive. I just felt this absolute panic. And when I decided to get, to take lessons, to learn how to drive officially, because I never did in Florida back in my day, they just let teenagers take, it was just chaos, people. It is way better. Although I think if you're a bad driver and you want a license, I still recommend Florida because I don't really think I should have ever gotten one at the rate that I drove at that time. But I digress. Mm -hmm. My point being, I saw this guy, it was a YouTube video about an astronaut who was in the, hanging off the side of a space station and he goes blind. Uh, And he talked about how he was calm. I'm like, you're in space, dude. And it turns out that they'd ran scenario after scenario after scenario. And he said, knowledge conquers fear. And so I thought, I'm going to, I am going to get driving. Driving lessons were so expensive out here in California. So I changed my mind. I'm going to be a driving instructor so I can get trained for free, which actually genuinely helped me. And what I learned was if I focus on the task at hand, In other words, yes, I'm easing three quarters away. By the way, making a left-hand turn in a busy intersection, it is, the odds are more likely that something's going to go down there. But now that I know exactly, you pull three quarters full, you're going to be looking for these type of, you know, doing it over and over and teaching other people, I can focus on what it is I'm supposed to be doing in the moment instead of how it is going to go wrong. And that really is the tangible manifestation of looking away from the rock, And looking Mm -hmm. towards what I got to do, because that's going to increase my odds that I'm going to be okay. And when I focus on what I have to do, it gets me out of that superstitious thinking that I had for a long time, which is if I worry about something enough, I stop it from happening. And I don't know where Mm -hmm. that came from, but that is not even remotely close to true. It, It at best, there's no correlation. At worst, it does the opposite. Me focused on the fact that I feel like I'm going to die instead of paying attention to when that light's going to go from yellow to red and I have my 15 seconds or 10 seconds or five seconds. It's been a while since I've taught, but you have a number of seconds mm-hmm. to clear that intersection. Long story, even longer. Sometimes if you just take things moment to moment, like sort of, especially if it's a high stress situation, I call it going into spy mode. You give yourself what you need to know next on a need to know basis. Right mm-hmm. now we're focusing on this. It's like it's like in the in the Martian, right? Mm-hmm. You just solve this problem and the next that's even in the same thing. Wow, outer space movies really do train people for disasters, don't they? Because remember Tom Hanks in the Apollo 13 mission where he's like, that's 17 steps from now. We're gonna focus on this one. Focus on the problem at hand. It gives you a greater chance so that you can solve another problem. And in the words of well, science the shiz out of stuff. You just solve problem after problem until you get home. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I love that you talked a little bit about think like that, um, having that uh, perspective that if you worry about it 
enough, you can prevent it from happening. And I think, you know, one of the things that perhaps led me into overthinking and negative thought patterns is sort of the opposite of that, which is the monkey's paw universe, which we've talked about before, (laughs) which is like that thought of like, well, if I think too positively about something, then like, not only am I not going to get the thing, but I'll get it in some sort of weird, twisted kind of way. Um, And I somehow blame 80s television on that because I know I didn't come by that process on I'm my own. I'm looking at you, Twilight Zone remake. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So thinking about, yeah, thinking about something, you know, and being excited or, or having positive thoughts somehow will make it not happen. So, you know, having to realize that's not how things, that's not a, that's not a thing. Um, but yeah, that I think was just really helpful <laughs> to come, to come across. Um, but I appreciate you talking about that and just, yes, that, that thought process like well if I think about it enough I can strategize enough and make you know and the the thing I'm worried about won't happen um but coming back to it might uh and it's a it's a matter then of how am I going to deal with it I do want to offer just a couple things too that I've um started to use uh not just to interrupt the loop but in general uh to help with focus or to just kind of help me get into a different mindset is just using sound. So either music, um, particular types and or styles of music or noise. So I really like, um, like white noise. I don't, I don't love that so much, but there is like this kind of deeper, less harsh brown noise. Um, and I found a couple of really great videos on YouTube where it's like you're, I mean, this is more info probably than people need to know, but it's like you're in a spaceship and what you're hearing is the engines and it's that kind of a tone. It's so, it's like it, I don't know, it's for whatever reason, I find it very helpful to like not get too caught up in things. It helps me focus and be able to use some of the strategies that we've talked about or some other, you know, just kind of I don't know. It just helps the focus, I think, a little bit more. So finding some things uh, that might not necessarily be thought-based that you can do or awareness-based that you can do, um, again, just to interrupt where your focus is uh, or where that thought pattern is going. You know, those are some, just a couple other things that I have found helpful uh, as I've incorporated them over the last couple of months. Uh, before we get into our mission, I just want to check in, Christy, is there anything else that you, any other thoughts or anything else you wanted to, you know, share related to overthinking and negative thoughts? Yeah, just a couple quick things. One, it, sometimes listening to a podcast or some sort of storytelling while you're laying at in bed at night, if you have a tendency to ruminate while you're trying to go to sleep, having other thoughts like just genuinely pumped over the top of yours can erase that. If you're overthinking and you have negative thoughts in a relationship, if only this person would change, uh, you're, you're, you've lost the plot. It's not going to happen for you. Look into that. And if you need help, Al-Anon and CODA are two 12-step groups that are free or read books about it. And um, the last one is you can always ask for help. Love it. I love that because I wrote one down that I, I'm always surprised that I forget to say until right at the end, uh, if overthinking and negative thought patterns are having a problem, um, there is 
uh, from the help stand of thing, there is prayer. And I have used prayer for myself uh, to be able to get out of some things, especially if it's something I feel like I don't have a lot of control over. So being able to uh, take that prayer, um, take that to prayer rather uh, can be helpful at times. So thank you for sharing those um, and and jogging my memory. Uh, So that takes us into our mission. So this week's mission is to catch yourself when you are overthinking or having negative thoughts and use one of the techniques to reframe what you're thinking about. One of the techniques we've talked about today, or even if there's something that you have used in the past that you find is helpful. Uh, We would love to hear from you. And now, uh, as ever, it's easier than we than before to connect with us, you can go to positiveviewpodcast.com. That's positiveviewpodcast.com and click on the message icon to leave us a voicemail. Yes, new episodes come out every other Monday. Please take a moment to follow and rate the podcast because it helps more people find us also. If you're enjoying the Positive View podcast, share us with your friends. That is our show for today. Thank you so much for listening. I'm your host, Christy Murphy. And I'm your other host, Brianna G. We'll talk soon.